Welcome to the Love Lab Podcast, a safe place to get real about sex. Whether you're a man, woman, single, or couple, this is the show for you. We are your hosts, Kevin Anthony and Celine Remy, and we are here to guide you to go from good to amazing in the bedroom and beyond. All right, welcome back to the Love Lab Podcast. This is episode 140, and it's how to manage racial tension in a relationship. This is going to be interesting because we have never covered this on the show. So we are sex, love, and relationship, and so we cover pretty much any aspect of sex, love, or relationship. And one thing that we haven't covered yet in our 139 previous episodes <laughs> is the topic of how to manage an interracial relationship. And so I think this is going to be really fascinating, and I think it is so relevant today um, just because there's so many interracial couples, and I think there's a lot of people that can benefit from hearing uh, our guests today, their personal experience. Um, they have another interesting twist in that they're not just an interracial couple, but they also are from extremely different cultures. So, you know, you could be an interracial couple that grew up in the same town or in countries on the opposite side of the world. I mean, I grew up in Switzerland, you grew up in the States, and that's different cultures, yeah, for so, sure. So we have one aspect of mm-hmm. that. But even still, like, our cultures aren't that much different. So, you know, there's there's layers, right? There's, there's different variations. So I think it's going to be a really fascinating conversation. Yes. So before we start with introducing our guest, let's give a big shout out to our sponsors, Power and Mastery. So if you want to join the secret club of men who are great in bed, then check out Power and Mastery at powerandmastery.com. It is is the most complete sexual mastery training for men. Whether you want to have harder erections, last longer, or increase your sexual skills, there is something for you at powerandmastery.com. Today we have Sarah and Matthew. They are the hosts of the Interracial Couple Podcasts and creators of the Lover's Journal. It's a guided journal for couples to map their relationship to greater love and harmony. So welcome, Sarah and Matthew, to the Love Lab Podcast. Thank Thank you. you. Thanks for having us. Fantastic. (laughs) All right. So, you know, we actually have a lot (laughs) of questions. (laughs) We we have more questions this this interview than we usually write. So we may not get to them all, but we'll do the best we can. And let's just dive right in. So the first thing that I would love for you guys to do is for each of you to take a turn to tell us a little something about your background. In other words, where did you grow up? What was your life like you know, prior to you guys being together? Because I kind of want to set the stage so people can understand just how different the worlds that you both came from really are. Yeah, so I think I'll go fast. Um, so I grew up, my name is Sarah, and I grew up in Kenya in a small town. I don't even know if you can call it a town or if you could call it a village. Um, it's a small village, I would say, in northern Kenya, the Lift Valley. And I lived in Kenya until I was 26 and moved to America when I, yeah, I moved to America when I was 26. And then I met Matthew a couple of years after that uh, in Los Angeles. So, so tell us a little bit more, like what, what was life like growing up in Kenya? Yeah, because I'm thinking, you know, Africa, huts, no running water, like I'm going all the way crazy there. And maybe that's not at all that. You're like, you didn't have to go to the well and carry water. You're like, come on, this is like so outdated. Like paint, paint us I, a little picture there. 
I did not go to the, I did go to the well, but I didn't walk to the well. It was right outside my house. Um, but, you know, I always think of myself as someone who had the best childhood. Um, mm. it, was, it was just, I grew up with in the farm with animals and just, you know, in a tiny community where everyone knows everyone and I could just go play. Like I would leave the house as a kid at 8 a.m. And my grandmother would be like, just be home before the last chicken gets home. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be out running and playing with other kids in the village until either A, I was hungry or it was, it was dark. The chickens were going home. And so I had to go home. Um, and I always, yeah. So I feel like that was my life. My life was pretty like, I would almost say small um, in so many ways but very intimate. So I was surrounded by a community of people. And I guess like what I'm trying to say is like all those things, sometimes I, I, I want to say like all those things that people sometimes imagine what Africa is, it is what it is, but there's almost, there's so much beauty in that that we don't get to see. Um, so. Yeah. You know, one of the things that's interesting is, you know, when you, when you live in a country, say like America and you see images on TV of what it's like in Africa, they always show you the starving children, you know, walking 10 miles to get water and that sort of thing. So they always paint this picture like it's a so horrible, terrible like place to live. But the reality is, is when they actually do studies and they study the kids to find out, you know, like what kids had a happier childhood they usually find out that the people growing up in places like Africa actually had a happier childhood than the people growing up in places like America because they didn't have all the stress and they didn't have all the, you know, the craziness of, you know, what we call this more developed world. And so... And they so, had the community aspect. Which and they had brought. the community aspect, mm -hmm. exactly. So it's really cool to hear you describe that and to say that you had a great childhood because I think that's probably more the reality than people here in America are really told or shown. Yeah, so true. I think like when people say, did you walk without shoes? I'm like, I did walk without shoes. I ran to school every morning. Mm -hmm. But that's not what as a child, you care so much about. It's about the love that you get from your community and the support that you get. And so for me, even moving back to the, coming to the United States, it was, yeah, I was coming from Kenya, but it was like, I almost came with that trust that everyone's like that, you know? So um, it was a huge adjustment, but I was just like, everyone's like, everyone's like back in the way Kenyans are. You know, so it was almost an e there was an ease of assimilation uh, or getting into the country almost naively because I had that trust that came from my community. That's a very interesting point that we probably won't go into now. But <laughs> if you're listening, keep that in the back of your mind. It may come up again later in this conversation. So, so let's switch over and hear, Matthew, kind of your story. So, uh, yeah, I was born in Los Angeles um, and lived in several states throughout my childhood and uh, lived in two countries before this one dragged me off to Kenya a few years ago. Um, so I lived in Mexico as a kid and then also spent some time living in, in Germany. Um, but, you know, when I think about sort of my childhood and where we came from, and actually one of the things that you brought up in your intro was about, you know, these cultural differences, 
But one thing that we have so much in common is that I also grew up in, with a very strong community aspect and a strong sort of family bond. Like I had a pretty similar experience even going out to play. You know, the rule was uh, just be home in time for dinner. So there's a lot of freedom and, and community. And uh, so that was really where I, where I came from coming, you know, we're in, in that. And so when I think back, when I think about like, what are some of these compatibilities, what are the things that made us coming together so easy in some ways, uh, and has brought a tremendous ease. Sure. It's our experiences. You know, we didn't get, we didn't, you know, we weren't children when we got together, you know, we had had experiences, we had made mistakes, we had grown, we had been sad, we had been happy. We had had all those things that, that we were able to learn from and grow from to bring that into our, into our relationship. But when I go back and I think about interracial couples or any couples, and when two people come together, those challenges, what are the, you know, where do those, what are all the places those come from? And what are the similarities that where we have this touch point to say, oh, we can sort of, we can reset at this point. This is where we connect. Um, That is something that was very similar, even though I, you know, you know, at nine, when she was nine, she moved to Nairobi. When I was nine, I, you know, I left Los Angeles. So the first nine years I was in Los Angeles and she was in a small village in, in North, uh, Western Kenya, what completely different worlds, they they could not be more different Mm. yet the community and the family support and love that was so similar. And so, yeah, that's where. So I always love to know how people meet. So you guys are in totally opposites. Uh, then Sarah comes to uh, America and that's uh, where you guys meet. Like, how did you guys meet then? Um, I was on Tinder, dating on Tinder. Uh-huh. And, Matthew, and Matthew swiped left. I was like, <laughs> I <didn't> know. <laughs> I did. That A means modern no. love story. Oh, that means yeah. right. That means no. no. That means no. no. Okay. Well, I've never been on Tinder. Neither one of us has ever done online dating. So I'm like, I want to make sure that I'm getting it. We're kind of like old age here, like old school. Okay. So that meant no. He swiped left. That meant no. Okay. So I I have to back that up. So we knew we knew each other before that. So we when I came, to, we had friends, mutual friends in common, and we had seen each other at friends' houses. So when he saw me on Tinder, like there's a rule when you see someone on Tinder. I've not been on Tinder. I don't know if it's like online etiquette, thank you, Um, that you just swipe left. You know, you don't say anything. And so he saw me and he was, what were you, what was, what were you thinking? Well, (laughs) the only thing that that, that that really did, because I was like, okay, first of all, as she said, we'd kind of seen each other, but, uh, she looks very young. She, when we first met, she looked really, really, really young, um, such that it wouldn't have ever even crossed my mind to look in her direction. Um, and, uh, but when I was on Tinder, cause I'd been, uh, I, I saw her and I thought, well, definitely not, but I did notice that she wasn't as young as I thought she was. <laughs> so, I feel like that moment when I saw her on Tinder was basically just saying, 
I, I, I kind of tell this half joking and half serious. Like it was this reminder from like our sort of our, our pre-birth time of, Hey, that's the person you've got to, to find. So it's like, there was little, these little clues. It was like, you know, it was like the breadcrumbs and Hansel and Gretel. You got to find your way to this person. And when we think of all these little tiny moments where we randomly connected, uh, like briefly, not really connected, but saw each other in places where we really shouldn't have, it like just, I was just randomly on another day and I ran a couple afterwards, like I ran into Matthew um, and I was just like, hi, because I know him. And then I was like, we were like, we should get coffee and get to know each other. And then <laughs> a couple of days after that, I ran into him again and we were like, okay, we really, no one runs like into each other in LA, but we kept doing it. And we were like, we should really get together. <laughs> and our mutual friend was like, Let's get dinner and yeah, before yeah, like we went, we just went to kind of get to know each other. We never actually really had a conversation, so we did. And I gotta be totally honest, uh, I did not think I was going on a date. And that <laughs> night, I went home and I could not sleep. Um, and I was like, okay, I really like her. And I, I'm gonna back this up by saying, about a week earlier, I decided I was really ready to go back into a relationship. And so I had pulled out my journal. I was in Death Valley uh, for a little solo retreat, and. I started journaling about what was going to be really important to me and a partner. That way, my, you know, my hor- I didn't let my hormones and my sort of brain neurology decide. I was like, I want to be really conscious about this. And as I'm going home that night after we hung out, I'm thinking, wait a second. I think that I described this person when I was journaling, saying I'm finally ready for a relationship again. And so, uh, you know, the next day, you know, it's like, oh, I know you're not supposed to call someone the next day or text them or whatever. And by about three o'clock in the afternoon, I was like, I, I, I can't. So I was like, how about a hike this weekend? And uh, anyway, that didn't work out. But a couple of days later, we hung out and then our mutual friend invited us both out because she knew we were we like we were hanging out that day. She's like, oh, I'm going to take you guys out to eat. And so and here we are several years later. And uh, and here we're going to stay. This is, <laughs> you know. Before, you'd ask me then, you said, who am I going to go, go bald with? I would have said this one because that's it. <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome. So before we move to like your first living experience together and kind of like the clashes that happens, I just wanted to pause for a second about the process that you went through because it is something that we coach our clients when we work with uh, with one-on-one with our clients about having that clarity about who you want to attract and really writing it down is such an important element to saying like I'm ready these are my goals or intentions sometimes I prefer intentions over goals because they can be so rigid but it has something so important when you write it down you commit to it and then that letting go and I think that's also what happened for you you did that same process and then I came into you well I already was in your life but that's when I finally Came into the yes, I had written a list. <laughs> I had written a list of all the things that I wanted in a partner, and uh, yeah, then then when we came together, I was like, wow, that that's a lot of stuff on the list. <laughs> Actually, to this day, sometimes she'll say when you know I I notice something about her, or comment about some way she is. She'll look at me. She go, was that on your list? <laughs> <laughs> No, but it's a bonus. 
<laughs> so tell us a little bit about the first, um, and that was awesome. Thank you for sharing your, your story. It was really fun. But I want to know about when you first lived together, like what was it like? And maybe, you know, what were some of the things that you were like, ooh, this is not so easy. And then this worked easily. So I'll, um, I, we like dated for what, two weeks? We didn't, in six months, we were living together. We moved in together. And Matthew is an amazing cook. Um, and so he was doing most, I was in school. And so he was doing most of the cooking and he would go to the store and buy all this food, which is what I call American food. I cannot eat salad for dinner. Absolutely not. Like I eat salad for dinner and I just feel hungry. And I was just like, I was used to eating like, yeah, salad, maybe something warm. Like I mm -hmm. don't necessarily, I don't enjoy cold food. And so it was nice because I wanted to be like, okay, um, I'm going to please him. But after a while, I started getting really miserable. I was, if he made dinner, I just felt hungry. And then he would go to the store and buy food that I didn't even understand. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so there was this thing between us where it felt like he's making dinner and I, I should be appreciative and say thank you for making dinner. But I, it was food that I really did not like. Mm. And so it was like when we went shopping, we had to sit down and I, and I had to say that I really am grateful for all that you're doing but I don't like your food. Hmm. Um, I'm hungry. Um. And that's such, that's such a big piece, food. I'm, I'm a foodie and I come from, uh, so from Switzerland, from the French background. And it's definitely when we go visit my family, it's the biggest hurdle we always get, like, issues with a friction with my family because how we eat is a little bit different and what we like and the quantities and it's it's so it's such an important piece and I can see like if I tell my mom that I don't like what she made it's nearly like if I'm telling her I don't love you <laughs> and so it can be such a big piece because and I know for me too it's one way to express my love to cook for somebody so um, kudos for you to being able to bring it up in a way that could be heard. And then also I'm imagining that, Matthew, you guys found a common ground or, or kind of like shared what you liked and found a way to uh, come to a place where you both felt appreciated and then felt good about the action of eating. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think some of it was actually being able to have that conversation. And we, uh, we've, we've, we've employed this a couple of times where we, where we brought someone in from the outside to sit in council who could hold space for us to actually share and sort of, uh, and moderate or mediate. Um, and that was really important because I love that particular story because I actually don't think I changed hardly anything. If anything, it was just to be heard And I, obviously it changed a little bit because she felt like it was a world of difference. Um, but to me, it was the tiniest little shift. It was adding one little extra thing to a meal once or twice a week or whatever it was. It was an acknowledgement of this is hard for you. The way that is just natural for me doesn't feel natural for you. So when I fully acknowledge that, even if I'm like, that's ridiculous. And I can tell you right now, I didn't only make salad. You know, you can't say you can't say I'm a good cook and I only make salad. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but, but but there but there was something to that, right? It was this. I have these slightly different. I have this different need, and 
if you can hear that and you can acknowledge it and you can make an effort towards that, then that was an issue that literally evaporated. It was a major issue. We had this council space where we talked about it. The issue evaporated completely. And she was like, she still thinks I made this huge difference. And to me, I felt like I changed virtually nothing. But that's, now, obviously, I changed enough, but I listened mm-hmm. and I acknowledged it. But Whereas see, before, I wasn't. That's perfect because that's the way it should be, right? The person who has the problem should feel like you made a big effort. And on your side, it should feel like it was easy to make that effort. That's, that's how these things actually work, right? You know, it yeah. may have been big, it may not have been big, but it's the perception of the act that's really, truly important. Mm-hmm. And I think that you know, it sounds sort of trivial because it's food or whatever. And I know for foodies, it's not trivial. I get it. <laughs> but the, yeah, the, 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 yeah, the, the learning lesson is, is that you can take how you handle that and apply it to all of the other differences and challenges that you might come across in a relationship also. So we're going to do a little break for our sponsors. Uh, Today's sponsors is Aneros. If you haven't heard yet about the Aneros, we've been talking about it for the past few shows. Uh, Those are prostate massagers that can be enjoyed in many different ways to enhance the strength and pleasure of your orgasms. A healthy prostate means that you're able to have stronger, longer sex. Stronger, longer sex means you're able to have a healthy prostate. So Aneros prostate massagers can be used for solo play or to enhance sex with a partner. The Aneros gives you hands-free pleasure with the utmost comfort. To try it today, go to CelineRemy.com forward slash go forward slash prostate. And that's our affiliate link, CelineRemy.com forward slash go forward slash prostate. The link is in the description below too. And use our coupon code LOVELAB to get 10% off your purchase. And your purchase supports the Love Lab podcast. And if you're like a prostate massager, I don't even know what the prostate is. Please go listen to our episode on the prostate and prostate (laughs) massage. (laughs) So let's talk about something unusual that you guys did in your relationship. So I love so far all the different elements and aspects that you've shared. But I know you did something very different, which uh, Sarah, you had mentioned prior to the interview that it felt that it was very important for your partner for him to come and live in Kenya for a while, right? To experience your life. And that's something that you guys did. You guys moved, I think, for a couple of years or something like this to Kenya, right? So maybe tell us a little bit more about that process and why was it so important to you to have Matthew experience that? And then how was it for you, Matthew, to be immersed in in that? Yeah, For me, like I knew that I wanted to move back home. And if I was going to have an American partner, we, I just, I knew that I couldn't have long-term relationship with someone who wasn't wanting to move back to Kenya. So on our first date, I asked Matthew, like, would you move to Kenya with me? And he was like, yeah, sure. Um, But I think for what I really wanted, I felt like living in Los Angeles almost was that I was living his life life as he had known it as an American. And I just felt that for him to really know who I am and he must also know where I come from and my people and the way, and my childhood friends and my way of life. And so that was really important for me that my partner was willing to also come and see who I was deep, you know, in a, in a deeper level. Um, And so I think it was a year and a half of our dating. We moved to Kenya for almost two years. 
Yep. Oh, amazing. Uh, and how yeah. how was that for you? Because I get that. And for me, that's why I always brought my partners to visit my family. But that was for weeks, you know, <laughs> and we go like every couple of weeks years at you know? a time. Yes, not years <laughs> at a time. <laughs> so I'm like, this is like a total like new thing. So how was that for you? So such an immersion. Did you learn a different language? And like, yeah, tell us about that, Matthew. Um, you know. I mean, yeah, that that was a big jump to move. It also happened to coincide with a time in my life where I'd always expected that I was going to do a big uh, a big trip. My my plan had always been to ride my bicycle around the world. Uh, at that same time, so uh, so a move to Kenya was actually a uh, a less radical uh, experience than, than than what my otherwise plan had been. Um, but you know, I think one of the things that was you know, first of all, it was just amazing. It was eye-opening. It was all of these things. Um, but as as Sarah said, I got to step in and see something that I never would have seen. And because her, you know, her mother tongue is Kikuyu and her kind of second language is Swahili, um, which I didn't learn any Kikuyu and I learned a little bit of Swahili. There were certain things that I started to pick up. And one of the great things in our relationship was uh, certain uh sort of language things that miss that are missing in a language mm. or the way people speak you know if like for example we would you go to the restaurant and you basically tell the you know the the waiter give me water and i'm thinking that is so rude <laughs> but it's not actually rude they just it's it's actually just very direct and even just the sometimes what i can perceive as the tone of voice is very kind of you know direct in a way that makes me uncomfortable and one of the things that had challenged us in our relationship before was I kept feeling like this woman is just bossing me around all the time. Um, but, and I don't want, I'm like, I'm, I'm done being bossed around, but that she wasn't bossing around at all. I could actually, if I could just sort of translate that into, in my mind, there was no longer an, an issue. And I think one of the benefits that we have in our relationship is that because we come from these very, very different cultures, there's this, there was never that assumption that I understand where you come from, you know? Uh, and I think also speaking in, from the idea of an interracial relationship or an intercultural relationship, sometimes we can assume that I understand, right? Like I also grew up, if she'd grown up in LA, so we both grew up in LA. Yeah, I was in the Valley. Maybe you were in, you know, in a different part of town or whatever, but there would have been this assumption that we came from the same place. Therefore, we know we know uh, more than we actually do. Um, and so that to be able to be totally open in that way to say, I really don't know. And when I even think back on sort of past relationships, I, the amount of assumptions that I made was ridiculous mm. because my family was so different. The expectations, the givens, the, you know, the, the lowercase truths, the even capital T truths, right. Of like, this is a truth. And, it's not, it's just the culture or the family culture that we each grew up in. And, and so in some ways, the, the, one of the great things about, about our relationship is that we didn't come into it with this assumption that I know your story. I know your situation. I know the way you see things. And I almost feel like if I could, if we could in general bring that same sort of curiosity and sort of a real acknowledgement of the lack of knowing the other's experience, how amazing that will be for any relationship. And we just got that sort of 
all of those assumptions were just stripped away from the very beginning and talk about a huge gift. Yeah, this is this is a, a, a wonderful point that you're bringing up that I just want to emphasize for the audience. Now, because you came from such different cultures, you did something that was very wise, which was really take time and and not just time, but like take the step of literally living in each other's countries. But you really took the time to get to know each other, where you came from and, and what makes you who you are. Like, I love that that uh, example you gave of the language and how they would ask for something there being perceived as rude to us, even though they don't mean it in any rude way at all, right? There's, there's so many layers of those little things that are different when you come from such different places that you need to learn. But what I also want to say to the audience is you could benefit so much even if you grew up on the same block, Right, And I know that you have something to share about this too, because we talked about it in the pre-interview, but it's that idea that even if you didn't grow up on opposite sides of the world in opposite you know, uh, uh, cultures, every experience you've had has been unique to you and your household, the way you grew up even in your own household is different than the household across the street or the town next to the town that you grew up with or the state or, or whatever it is, you, know, you can expand out as far as you want. So, yeah, maybe tell our audience a little bit more about how that can apply and, and how those experiences can be different. Well, I don't know. One of the things that we also did right at the right at the beginning, uh, Sarah was an avid was an avid reader. Uh, um, and fairly early on, I actually got jealous because she kept referring to these these books that she had read. And I thought she's read so much. I want to kind of catch up. Um, and, uh, and so we decided we were going to be, we were going to read a book together, right? At the, you know, right, right off the bat. And we chose a book that was called, I think it's called the energy of money by Maria Nemeth. And it's, you know, we've, we've, neither of us were, you know, we also recognize we're going to build a life together. Let's just kind of bring awareness to money, for example. And we, we, the book turned out to have a ton of journaling, in, in thing, you know, exercises and stuff to do. Um, and so we were really able to spotlight, do these journaling prompts or whatever to kind of understand whether they were forgiveness prompts, something you're holding on to blocking certain energy, things like that. And so we had this opportunity sort of accidentally, we didn't know that that's what we were getting into when we started reading the book, but it, it opened up all of these questions and it's called the energy of money, but all of this stuff was just assumptions, assumption layers, assumption layers, assumption layers. And as we went through it, it was like, wow, there are just so many of these assumptions that we're living with. So, you know, I think that was one of, that was a, a, a clue into that for us was these things that we, we might've thought were very simple or very basic uh, or, just a given and turns out, oh, wow, that's not, you see that totally differently. And that really opened something up for us through that work. Yeah. And, and just to, to reiterate again to the audience is that we all make assumptions <laughs> based on our own upbringing and our own perceptions, right? And so it doesn't matter if you're an interracial couple, if you're from different cultures, but the same race, it doesn't really matter. When two different people who've had two different life experiences come together, you have to be careful about making a lot of assumptions about who they are and what they've experienced and, and that sort of thing. Very so, true. Do you have any 
any mistakes you've made, like anything you're like, okay, people listening, don't do that. We, we, we did this, it didn't work. Like, <laughs> can you think of any? Well, I can think of one thing, particularly since we are, since the topic is around inter, uh, interracial couples. Um, I had, you know, so I mentioned something when she was do when she was working on her hair, I used the word kinky hair. Mm-hmm. I remember that. And she was like, don't use that word. I don't like that. And I was kind of taken aback because I felt like I was a fairly aware. Um, I try and pay attention to language. And so I went online to find out like, what are other African-American women saying? Like, is that an okay word? And it turns out probably 90% of my, and I'm air quoting research here, was uh, black women saying, no, I mean, that's a perfectly valid way. You know, it's what I, that's what I call my hair, right? And then there were probably 10% that were like, nah, it's not super not cool. And at first I wanted, I actually even went and I was like, well, you know, I did a little bit of research here and <laughs> definitely in the minority. He came to me on the, <laughs> the internet saying black women are okay calling their hairs kinky. And so, and I was like, you know, I don't care what, what the internet. <laughs> yeah, but this is, this is another example of one of those things where like, you know, black people will use the N word between each other and they're like, we're totally cool with it. But but yeah. people that aren't black are just not allowed to go there. And so, yeah, that, that's one of those things where, yeah, sure, black women on the Internet are probably calling their hair kinky themselves. They just don't want anybody else to say it to them. So you have to respect that. But, you know, but even that, like I hear, and I think that's a really valid point. The other part is that, and, and I think this is, was my big lesson, is that it actually doesn't matter what anyone else thinks, mm-hmm. right? Like it, she could be the only person not a problem with it. And if she is the only person that has a problem with it, it's really not anything that I need, to, a word I have to use. It's not anything. And I mean, if you ask us now, if, and if this came up again, I don't even know if it would come up. And that could have also just been a part of our figuring out what is the language that we use with each other? Where are our boundaries? It was kind of part of this thing. But you know what? It doesn't matter what the internet says. It doesn't matter if you're the only one. If that's what's important to you, then that's that's a really easy give for me. You know what I'm saying? There are bigger (laughs) things just to not use a word, even if everybody else says it's okay. So what? (laughs) Absolutely. That, and that is a very valid point is, is all that really matters is, is how she feels about that word. Hey, I'm curious. Yeah. Yeah. And I felt really honored when he finally was like, yeah, I will not use the word because I don't feel comfortable Mm. with my hair being referred to as kinky. And it's so much more than just the word, but actually feeling that my partner I'm feeling I'm feeling seen and had was what was important absolutely you know here on the love lab podcast we would like to offer to you we use the word kinky in a completely different way (laughs) (laughs) so I'm very curious about the sexuality aspect Uh, was it did you have different expectations or different views around sexuality because of your uh cultural backgrounds that were so different or did you guys feel like you had similar expectations around sexuality? Um, I feel like I'm very open when it comes to sex, um, but Matthew is way open um, around sexuality. Um, but 
I feel like the one thing that kind of f- almost shaped it was that we both come from Christian backgrounds. And I think there's something to that. Um, Could be in that we both had to overcome uh, prudish cultures in order to be able to uh, live a sexually free and thereby humanly free life, I guess, probably. Yeah. Um, So I think there is, you know, I guess, yeah, there were, were there differences. I mean, I think always in some ways, um, but there was also a real sort of open and mutual respect and, uh, and curiosity, um, and, you know, I also, I, I, I kind of even like joked when we got together, there were certain things, um, that would come up, whether it was around, you know, around menstruation or anything that sometimes a lot of sort of contemporary or actually any, you know, men might find like a little bit, wait, I don't want to know about all the the details. I just want, you know, want to go for the pleasure or whatever. And it, you know, I think one of my, my lines early on was, you know, I'm not a boy, I'm a man. You know, I can, I can, I, I, I can, can handle it. I know I, right, I can, there's nothing that is going to throw me off my game. Um, you know, I can, I'm going to show up and this is, you know, we are humans. We have fluids, we have things aren't always clean and pretty and whatever that, that, that part of the beauty of sex and the part of the beauty of humanity is the fact that it's not pristine. It's not, per, you know, quote unquote perfect it's it's human you know it's carnal it's also spiritual it's it's all of that so i think that you know that really played into uh a really sort of healthy coming together too so sex is a universal language (laughs) (laughs) so tell me uh and, and as we're wrapping up this this uh conversation today i know you have a few things and a few tools and i want to talk about that in a minute but i want to know like um what do you really love and appreciate about each other what is one thing that you really love about each other uh, well i'm just going to say since we have since we are on on the topic and then we're going to talk about it uh we created the lovers journal and uh, and the lovers journal came out a little bit from our con. Uh, some of the ideas started as I mentioned. We started reading this book and then journaling about it. And uh, the very uh, first you know prompt is actually what are ten things that you admire about your partner made you fall in love. Um, so and it's all written down, <laughs> even though it kind of continues to grow and evolve. Um, and I just realized I was going to read it, but I don't actually have that one with me. Um, but things that I admire, I mean, I think one of, one of the things is that I just absolutely love and admire about, about Sarah is this uh, amazing sense of humor um, and a real kind of a real openness and a desire also to, uh, to live in question, you know, of, you know, there are times where we might even get into a little bit of a disagreement or an argument. And I love these moments where they come and it's usually not right in the heat of the moment, but sometimes it will go on a walk and she'll say, okay, let's just, I want to assume that you're totally right about this. Mm. And we kind of do that for each other, but I love that because that first of all means, oh, we get to actually really explore where we're not fighting for our position, but being open for how do we, how do we grow? So when she does that, she's basically saying, I'm more interested in in learning something or growing in this moment than I am about being right. And that also allows, 
when she can do that, it gives me the space to be like, oh, and now you tell me that same thing. And now we both get to be in this place where we're not trying to be right or prove the other wrong or anything. We're actually saying, what, 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 what can we, what can I get from this moment that I wouldn't have otherwise gotten? How can I be the person that, that wins this disagreement by being the person who learns something new instead of winning this agreement by being the person who doesn't learn anything new because I'm proving you wrong and me right. And she does that so well. Um, and that's pretty, uh, that's pretty hard to, uh, it's pretty hard to, to, to top. It's like one of the most amazing things. I think for me, what, one of the things that I love, I really love about Matthew is we have, we both have a very dark sense of humor that, um, <laughs> that some of the jokes that we make between the two of us if other people I, I remember making the joke in front of my mother and she literally almost had a heart attack <laughs> <laughs> and she was like I absolutely did not give birth to you <laughs> and but there is something about the two of us that in the way that we speak to each other and we joke about about around with each other is like no, it's nothing is off limit and I know that whatever I say or I joke about, I'm not going to be judged for. Mm-hmm. And so there's that trust in our relationship that whatever comes out of my mouth and we're joking is like he's not going to use it in, to win an argument later on. And that is something that is really special um, about our relationship. Amazing. This was such a powerful jam. Like rewind for the past five minutes and listen to that again because you've got so many little things here yeah, to apply to your relationship. There's, there's quite a few things in there. I mean, if you yes. if you didn't really quite get it, part of what, what Sarah was just saying is safety. Uh-huh. Right? That Matthew creates a safe space for her to be able to express herself and she doesn't fear any retribution for doing so. That's just one. There's like a whole bunch in there. Like Celine said, go back and listen to that again because there's some real gems in there. So you've got a tool that you've created, that journal, um, where people can learn to do what you guys are doing together and go through that. Um, and, and that's one way that you keep your love growing. And that's one way that you want to help the world and other couples to find more ease and grace and love love in their relationship. So tell our listeners more about that journal. I know also that they can get it at loversunlimited.co. We'll have the link below and that you've created a special coupon, Love Lab 15, for them to get a uh, 15% discount. So make sure that you use that and check out that particular journal, but entice them a little bit so that they can they go yes. there. And then we have one more very important question. Oh, yes. I'm not forgetting. Stay tuned. <laughs> Our favorite question: If you're if you're regular to the Love Lab, you know what's coming and who's coming. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. So the Lovers Journal, as um, and uh, I, I kind of like jumped the gun a little bit on on the last piece of the conversation, but you know one of the things that uh, about I don't know sometime last year, Sarah, we were talking about just. We've, we've done really well in our relationship in a way that has, it's definitely surprised me. Um, you know, I mean, I've read enough relationship books, et cetera, to know that, you know, the challenges come, the neurology changes, the, you know, the, 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 uh, you know, the chemical cocktail that you get when you first meet somebody, eventually that shifts. Um, 
And one of my very good friends is a, is a therapist. And when I, when Sarah and I first started dating, I remember he was just like, Oh dude, you are in your, you're in that phase. You've got you're in the honeymoon phase. <laughs> and that's, you know, and he's like, it's cute. Like enjoy it. Cause it's not going to last. Uh, and here we are, you know, you know, pushing five years uh, later and it hasn't really gone away. It's really weird. Um, you know, and that's not to say we don't have our moments because we do, we're human. Um, but, you know, so this question of like, wait, what are we doing right? You know, uh, and she used to call me the prophet of doom because I would always say, this is coming to an end. This and is I, coming to an end. I, I want to like, appreciate it's it not, while it's here. It's not coming to an end <laughs> five years. <laughs> uh, and, and so it was really kind of looking back as like, what's really been working for us? And one, there's a couple of those things. One was a real openness. One was this journaling that we accidentally did at the beginning. And Sarah wasn't really a journaler and I journal regularly, if not every day, several times a week on average and have been doing it for many years. Um, and so we kind of looked back over what we were doing and what have we been doing. And it ultimately it sort of came together in the lover's journal and the lover's journal. We have it in four different colors. Um, and it's a series, it's basically 52 weeks of prompts with monthly challenges and beautiful quotes. Um, and it really is a way to guide and weaving really kind of delicately between the things that we love. That's why I mentioned, you know, right at the beginning, the first one, what are the, what are the top 10 things that made you fall in love with your lover? You know, and then come those things of, you know, the last time that you were in a challenge, uh, look at it, you know, write about it from their point of view. The last time that they hurt your feelings, write about it from their point of view. Um, so, and then it kind of goes back. What are, what are goals, mutual goals that you have? So it really weaves between the stuff that really enlivens. And, you know, when you're writing and you're thinking, Oh, I'm having these memories of this stuff that I love about my, my partner, my wife, my husband, my significant other. Um, and then also what are those challenges? And when we kind of set the space for it with real respect and love at the base of it, it makes it also okay to go into some of those and safe. We used that word a minute ago, right? It's safe to go into the challenging areas because we've also created the, the open, the opening for there's love at the foundation of this. And now in order to enhance that, we actually might have to go to some difficult places, but that's okay because love and mutual respect is there. So, so that every, was every couple should get a lover's journal to focus on the positive, to get the tools they need to create that safe space and dive in deeper. So I think it's a prerequisite. So check out at loversunlimited.co. And don't forget to use the Love Lab 15 coupon. Yes. Okay. So we are we are running way over actually, but, but we have to ask our last question. You each get an opportunity to answer this. It is our favorite question to end interviews with, and it is, what is your best sexual talent? Oh, my goodness. What's my best sexual talent? Um, I, could, I give good blowjobs. It's <laughs> a great talent to have. It is a very good talent to have in a partner. Can I claim um, that? You can absolutely claim that. Okay. You can absolutely claim that. Um, which is kind of which is kind of funny because I'm going to give a little story with mine when we first got together and it got, came so fast. Her best friend uh, said, uh, um, "You're not going to make it two weeks without without having sex with this guy." And we had literally just met, and she said. Uh, 
yes, I will. And I was like, well, we're going to, we're going to, I'm going to help you win your, your, your bet. Um, so I will, it will, but I'm, we're going to say that oral sex is totally okay. So, uh, for two weeks, I just channeled my sexual energy and I just pleasured her, uh, for, that was off my past two weeks of the, the first introduction. Two weeks, that's all that happened. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so I, I think that somewhere in there that became a, a defining part of our, uh, our sexual experience. Um, and so I would probably have to say oral sex is probably pretty high up on my on, list. On your skill level. Amazing. On my skill level. Well, yeah, I, I, I give <laughs> I hear satisfaction, which is very important. <laughs> Matthew and Sarah, it's been it was a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, where can our listeners find more of you if they want to follow your work? Well, generally uh, at loversunlimited.co, uh, we, you know our podcast is linked there too. It's the Interracial Couple Podcast, which is found anywhere where you listen to podcasts. Uh, we also blog at uh, loversunlimited.co. Uh, Instagram is where we are at this moment, social media-wise, most active at Journal for Lovers. Um, and yeah, generally we are pretty easy to find. Uh, Sarah has a company called Ecodunia, which is ecodunia.com, and I'm at matthewctemple.com. But generally... We're easy to find in the world. <laughs> awesome. We'll have all the links in the description below. Absolutely. Well, thank you both so much for coming on the show. We really enjoyed it. Thank you it for having us. It has been a mutual pleasure. It's been, you know, the way pleasure is supposed to be. <laughs> mutual. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> all right, everybody. That's all the time we have for this episode, and we will see you next week. We hope you like this episode of the Love Lab podcast. If you enjoy this show, subscribe, leave us a review, and share it with your friends. And for more free, exclusive content, join us in the Passion Vault at CelineRemy.com forward slash vault. That's C-E-L-I-N-E-R-E-M-Y dot com forward slash vault. Thanks for listening. And remember, you're amazing. <laughs>